Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. This morning I would like to go in our Bible, if you have one with you, to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to talk to you about, title of my message is Don't Sink Yourself. Now there's a lot of things out there that will sink you. But you don't want to sink yourself. Amen. And so I'm actually going to be preaching on something I've preached on several times, but I'm preaching on it again. You know, um, Brother Osteen, uh, John Osteen, I told Dr. Barclay one time, he, he said, son, just, just preach the same message all the time. Just move the scriptures around and change the title. <laughs> because he was wise and understood we, we, we don't get it just because we've heard it. We've got to hear it and hear it and hear it. Amen. And just keep getting it. But I want to talk to you about the subject of doubt this morning and how doubt will sink your life, you know. And, uh, you know, the devil, he's a doubt sower now. I'm telling you. And, uh, you know, when things happen, when, when God moves, sometimes to try to get you to doubt that it was, you know, God moved and things that it was really God. To try to get you to doubt God's word. Um, but uh, you need to be wise to his tactics. Amen. In, in, in Genesis chapter 3, go there. This is the uh, uh, Genesis is the book of the beginnings. And it says in verse 1, Genesis 3, Now the serpent was more subtle or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. How many know he's trying to sow doubt into her? Uh, where the King James says, Yea, hath God said. You could say it this way. Did God actually say this? Did God really say? Can it really be that this is what God said? You know? Anybody ever heard that voice before? Yeah, sure. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now there's no, <laughs> there, there, there's no place in the Bible that records that God said, Don't touch this tree. He said, Just don't eat of it. And you know, the Bible says she was deceived, and uh, the, 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 the serpent deceived her. Uh, verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. How I many know oh, God said she would? So he's sowing doubt. For God doth know that in the days you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You know the devil's like that. He, he, uh, when he brings temptation, he never shows you the bad side of it. He always shows you what's appealing to the flesh and how this will, you'll enjoy this. And, right? Uh, he doesn't show you the, the bad side, you know. Um, I, t- I told you a story uh, a minister, and it was, it was just such a, I, I really appreciate him sharing this with me, but this minister had fallen into sin and uh, did some things that a minister or a believer shouldn't do, you know. And it literally, for a period of time, uh, it, he was out of the ministry, uh, which, it, you know, it needed to be, you know. And so he told me, he said, you know, he said, one, he said I, I got a job, and he said, one day I was working this job, and he said, I'm underneath this truck, and I'm welding underneath this truck. And he said, sweat's, you know, uh, dr- you know dripping from me and all. And, and he said, I'm laying there, and he said, I said to myself, how did I get here? And he said, I thought, wait a minute, I know how I got here. Sin. Sin. Sin got me here. Because, see, the devil doesn't show you that side. If he'd come to Eve and said, now you eat of this apple, I mean, one of your sons is going to kill the other son. You're going to bring death, destruction, and curse on the earth. You know, she might have said, well, no way. But he said, you know, it's good. This is good. How many know anything he offers is not good? Every good, perfect gift comes from the Father. 
Amen. Right. So you got to learn this about the devil. He doesn't have anything good. Right. I hung with him. I know. Right. You know, that's why I remember years ago when I first, you know, when I first get, got saved and got baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Some people would say tongues is of the devil. And I thought, now, wait a minute. It can't be of the devil because I ran with the devil and we, ne- we never did a hit of tongues when I was out there with my friends. <laughs> I never had any of them say, hey, man, you want to do a hit of tongues? I got some tongues. Let's do some tongues. I'm sure if the devil would have had it, we'd have known about it. He didn't have that. That's good. That's from God. I found out about that in the Bible, not in the bar. So I happened to know. I got enough. I, even as a young Christian, I had enough discernment to know if the devil would have had any, we'd have found out about it. God's got good stuff. Amen. And so... You know, he, he, you know he'll, he, he, well, he gives you what he gives you will bless your life. What he gives you will bring you up spiritually. What he gives will bring you up in the natural. It won't mess your life up. Amen. And so, you know, I took this guy one time. He was, I got saved and I took one of my old drug friends with me to one of these. And years ago, they had... Uh, what they call they call them Christian coffee houses. Anybody old enough remember those? They were for us guys that came out of drugs and the nightclubs. They were kind of a transitional thing, you know, so we didn't get shocked too bad, you know. So you'd walk into these places. They didn't serve alcohol, they, but they served drinks, but non-alcoholic drinks. And they always had a band. Lights were dim, kind of like the bar type thing. And so I took him to one of those. He's not saved, you know, but I'm trying to get him, lead him to the Lord, which he did come. He did come to the Lord. And I'm trying to lead him to the Lord. And, it, and, and the band's playing. He's in there with me. And we got our hands in the air, you know, worshiping the Lord. And I looked over at him and he had his hands up in the air. He's not, a, he's, not, he's not a believer. And he looked at me with this sheepish grin. And he goes, what is this anyway? <laughs> and then he said something. I'm telling you, I never heard a Christian explain lifting hands any better than this, this unbeliever told me. He said, what is this anyway? Is this like an antenna on the car? I said, that's it exactly. We're getting reception from God. We're picking up from the Lord's station. Hallelujah. And I thought, man, that is a brilliant explanation of lifting up a hands. Amen. But when the devil came, when he came here in Genesis, he came to sow doubt. Now, this has been his M.O., for all these years, when, you know, this is the original temptation here. Jesus faced temptation, didn't he? And if you remember what the devil said, if you be the son of God. See, trying to, die. He, didn't say, he didn't say because you're the son of God, do this. He said, if you are, if you really are who you think you are, let's see you do this. Jesus said, uh, himself in his teaching in Mark chapter 4, he said, uh, the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, when you think about this now, uh, if the devil could just come and take the word free will, nobody would have the word. He'd take it out of all of us. But I did a study on that word to take away and what it means is to cause you to have suspense in your mind. Now, here, listen to this. That word take away, you can look it up in Strong's yourself. That word means make to doubt. Make to doubt. So when someone hears the word, the first thing the devil tries to do is get you to doubt it. People say, well, that might work for some people, but it won't work for me. If it's God's word, how do you know it works all the time? Amen. God's not like the government. It works all the time. Amen. But the devil, he's always so in doubt. And I'm going to just talk about this. Not going to go long today, but I'm going to talk about this just a little bit because we need to understand just his tactics is to get you to doubt. Amen. 
I've seen this happen many times. Like people get baptized with the Holy Spirit. The first thing the devil says, you didn't get it. That's not real. Right. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Sure. He did that to me. He does that to probably just about everybody. Try to talk you out of the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> let, let's go over to uh, James chapter 1. Go there, James chapter 1. I want to look at that. Jesus said when the, uh, talking about the devil, said when he speaks, he speaks a lie. For he's, he's, a, he's a liar and he's the father of it. Now, how does he speak? Well, you know, I've never heard the literal voice of the devil, but he speaks through thoughts and suggestions and ideas. And, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. See, you, you need to learn this, that every thought you think is not necessarily your thought. Thoughts come from different sources. Thoughts come from God. Thoughts come from the devil. Thoughts can be injected into your mind. Amen. See, you have to watch it. Phyllis says, I'm impressionable. I don't know if that means I'm good looking or what that means. In other words, what she's saying is, is you got, I have to watch it because, you know, I can drive down the road and see a sign that says best ribs in town. Next thing she knows, that's where I want to go. I want to go try it out. Usually it's a lie, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, what I find out is you have the best ribs in town. You usually don't have to tell anybody about it. <laughs> they already know. Right. Right. It's kind of like that one steak place here in town. I am not going to name it because we're live streaming, but it's a dump. It's a dump on the outside. It's not that great on the inside, but the outside, it looks like, you know, that's a vacant building. It should be condemned. And somebody should tell them Christmas is over with. But you go inside and you're going to get you a good steak. But they don't have to advertise. I've never seen a commercial on TV. Never heard a commercial on the radio. If you got a good product, tell me no. People just find out, right? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, did you find James? Yes. Now, so anyway, uh, when I'm talking about the devil will put, let, let me say this before we read this. The devil will put thoughts, he'll put suggestions, he'll put ideas in your mind to try to get you to doubt. You know, and don't think everything you think is okay to think. See, we have to, the Bible said we have to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We have to check it and see, is it good? Is it lovely? Is, is it of a good report? We have, to, we have to do the checklist on it and see, does it belong in my mind? Amen? Because you got two cities going on, man. You've you got two lives going on, the, outward, the outer life and the inner life. And it's the inward life that controls the outward life. And so you have to make sure that you're checking everything, that you, that you don't let that inward life be, you know, mess you up. Come on, your mind, listen, your mind is easily deceivable. I have told you and told you and told you many times about when I was, when I was a, uh, in my late teens, 19 years old, 18 years old, 19 years old, 18 years old, me and three of my friends, me and two of my friends, we went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee on vacation. And when we got there, there was a place in Gatlinburg was just a shell of what it is now, and that Pigeon Forge and all that. I mean, I remember going through Pigeon Forge when it wasn't nothing but just a, 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 a one-stop place or two on the side of the road. Amen. Pastor, you that old? Well, Kenny was there in the beginning. <laughs> I told you before when the Bible says, when God said, let us make man in our own image, he was talking about, he's talking to him and Kenny were talking about it. <laughs> but anyway, I'd like to pick on Brother Kenny. But anyway, I, I, went, I went there and they had what they called the Chevy show. It was that three-dimensional screen thing, see? And it showed you doing different things. You've heard me talk about this before. But it's just, it, when I got saved, I, I thought about this and thought, man, you got to watch your mind. Because uh, it shows you on a screen, you're skiing down a mountain and you hit a pole. It shows you you're in a sports car and you're flying up and you hit a, another car in the back end. And then, but the one that got me, because when we came in there, this was like a theater type 
building, the floor slanted, but it leveled out to the top and the seats were pretty much taken up. So me and my three buddies, we, we stood up on the level part and there was a bar, a railing there that you could hold on to. Once that, once that screen got going, you found out what that railing was for. You're going to have to hang on. And one of the things that we got on that, that really stood out to me is we got on a roller coaster and that thing was just flying and started flying around these corners, you know. And next thing I know, I'm leaning over like this. My other friend's leaning over and the other one's leaning over on me. And we are on a level floor and we are not going anywhere. <laughs> but my mind now, my mind said, there's a corner full lean. And my mind controlled my entire body and it was deceived. The same thing the devil does is if he can get, inject thoughts into your mind and get you to bite them, get you to believe them and not cast them out, he'll control your life through your mind. He'll get your mind and get it deceived. See, that's exactly what the Bible says in this incident in Genesis. It says how, it, it, how the, uh, the Satan deceived Eve through, through her subtlety. Paul said, I, I, I'm concerned lest your minds be corrupted. He gets a hold of your mind. Right? The devil tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't have this, you can't be free, you can't. It's all a lie. Amen. 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 Now, in James chapter 1, have you found it? James chapter 1, look at verse 5. The Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given. Anybody ever need some wisdom? Amen. Well, you can ask God and he'll give it to you liberally. Praise God. But here's the thing. Let him ask in faith. The King James says nothing wavering or literally no doubting. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, what is a double-minded man? Well, a double-minded man is a man that has two minds about something. Double, two, amen, two minds. So a double-minded man is a man, and he talked about wavering. A double-minded man is a man who thinks one time, one, one, one time he's thinking, yeah, it's going to come to pass. The next time, well, I don't know. See, real Straight unbelief just refuses to accept it. But doubt means, yeah, maybe it could, maybe it might, maybe it won't. I'm not sure. It's up and down, up and down. Uh, you're, you're double mind. You got two minds about it. And, and James said a two-minded man won't receive anything of the Lord. So what do we have to do? We have to get to where we just got one mind. We have to get to where you got one mind about this is the way it's going to be. We have to settle it. Amen. Amen. We have to get rid of that double-mindedness. See, it's so, it's so, there, there's so much, you know, there's so much bad news today. You know, I remember back in, I was like in the 19, I think it was like 1986 or 87, something like that. CNN came out with 24-hour news. And we all thought that was wonderful. Now I found out it was a big curse. It's like nobody needs to hear that much bad news. We need to hear good news. Amen. I'm not saying we stick our heads in the sand and ignore it, but don't feed on that. Feed on God's Word. Amen. Right? See, that, that, that'll make you miserable. Because first of all, number one, they always magnify what they're talking about and make it sensational. Number two, I don't know if you know this or not, they don't always tell the truth. Have you figured that out? Number three, you don't need to hear all that. Amen. And so, you, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how people in our world today, they just accept, you know, because they thought of us that grew up years from years ago that were alive years ago. We, uh, we, we were taught to believe our government. We were. We were taught to believe TV. We would we'd even have advertisement as seen on TV. Remember that? 
Now, our generation is taught to believe the Internet. Today's generation. Well, it's got to be true, Pastor. It's on the Internet. <laughs> How many know that doesn't make it true? TV doesn't make it true. Amen. Just, just recently, I saw this just recently, one of, the, one of the, this news broadcast, uh, well, I'll just say it, you know, 60 Minutes, had this guy on there. He's 90 years old. We had to live through it with him in the 70s. And he's talking about how the world is going to become extinct because there's too many people. I thought, this is the same guy that in the 1970s told us we were going to go extinct in the 1970s. Where did you dig him up and dust him off and drag him up from and put him on TV? Now, see, there's people that don't know that or just dumb enough to believe this guy that there's too many people on the earth that God made, you know, that the, God didn't make the planet big enough to sustain us all. That God told us to be fruitful and multiply, but then all of a sudden he said, whoops, well, you went too far with that. How many know God's, how many know there's plenty here? This guy was wrong in the 1970s. He's wrong today. I don't know why 60 Minutes, where they found him at, but somehow they decided we need to put this guy on and tell people we're going to die. And I'll have sinners tell me how, how you know, the world's going to burn up. How we're all going to die. And, I'm, and I think, no, we're not, because I've already read the end of the book. I know how this ends. Amen. Because I lived through the 70s. I lived through that. I lived through the, the we're going to have a coming ice age. Yes. It, it, it never happened. It was in the magazines. It was on TV. 60 Minutes told us. Now, since that didn't happen, they're telling us we're going to burn up. Well, Peter said we are. One day there's, God's going to burn the place up and give us a new heaven, new earth. Hallelujah. Amen. But not the way they're saying it. Amen. So this double-minded, this, this, this is like having two minds about something. In other words, you think, well, maybe it could, maybe it won't. I mean, that's two minds. Uh, Jesus said it like this one time in Luke. He said, he said be, the King James says, he said, be, be not of a doubtful mind. Now that word doubtful, it means to live in careful suspense. In other words, don't live in suspense about how things are going to turn out for you. Find out what God said, accept that, and the suspense is over. Amen. I remember years ago, I watched this, Phyllis and I watched this suspense movie. And there were different actors on, older actors. Cary Grant was on it. Uh, Audrey Hepburn, Lee Marvin, Walter Matthau. George Kennedy, and one of these guys is killing off people. And so it was a real healthy movie, real nice movie. But anyway, it was done tastefully, praise God. Uh, well, what was, was, you know, they were all guys that were, they were after $250,000 worth of money they'd hid from the war, you know. And all of these guys that were after this money, you know, they all were going to get it and split it. But all of a sudden, one by one, the guys that were hunting for the money disappeared. So they're like, all right, who's doing this? Well, it begins to look like it's Cary Grant. We don't know. See, you don't know who did it if you haven't seen the movie. Even after I saw it the second time, I still don't remember who did it. But I'm just like that. You know, I can watch a movie three or four times and the Phyllis doesn't tell me. I still don't know the end. <laughs> Now, if I've seen it enough times, I got it figured out. But it takes a while for, for it to sink in for me, you know. And so all through this movie, it looks like it's Cary Grant. And we're, like, we're both like, it can't be Cary Grant. He's a good guy. We watched all of his movies, his old movies. He's a good person. He wouldn't be doing But it all ended up looking like it was Cary. It kept you to the very end of the movie before we found out it was Walter Matthau. Yeah. It kept you in suspense. You didn't know. Jesus said, don't live that way. Luke 12, 29, don't live with a suspense-filled mind, not knowing how it's going to turn out. Accept what God said. See, this is exactly what the devil said to Eve. Hath God really said? Did God really mean it that way? Is this really the way it's going to happen? Hey, if God said it, that's the way it is. Hallelujah. And so we have to learn to accept that. Amen. I said, amen. amen. Now, 
what, what did Je well, Jesus told us that. He said, hey, he said, uh, if you don't doubt in your heart. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. See, you, do you remember this time that Jesus ran into this man and his son was demon possessed? And, and, Je and Jesus, uh, he said to, to the Lord, he said, if you, if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. And Jesus threw that right back on him, didn't he? He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. In other words, it's not a matter of what I can do. It's a matter of what you believe. Amen. Now, I love this man. He was so honest. You know, He said, Lord, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. What was he saying? I believe, but I'm struggling with doubt. Right? In other words, see, this is what the devil tries to do. He tries to taint your faith. Doesn't he? He tries to see what Jesus said. If you have faith and doubt not, you can do this. No, don't let your faith get tainted. The devil tries to sow doubt in there. How I many know we all have to deal with doubt, don't we? But, but what happens, Jesus, because you can have doubt in your head, like Brother Hagin would say, you can have doubt in your head, but not be in your heart. That's exactly right. See, so you know, because your mind tilts. And you have to, that's, that's why praying in tongues, that's why some people get talked out of the supernatural, because they, they start listening to their mind. Right? And what did Paul say when you pray in tongues? What do you say? What do you say about your mind? It's what? It's unfruitful. Amen. He talked about he talked about that in Corinthians. He said, if you pray with your mind, your, your mind is, is unfruitful. He also said this, which this is really what helped me one time. He said this about it. He said uh, his understanding is unfruitful. And I got to thinking about that. I thought, you know, everything you do, you got to do it with some understanding. Amen. See, if I want to take a drink of water here, how many know I got to have some understanding about how to do that? So you got to understand, you got to unscrew the lid, right? So that's, that's really deep, Pastor. We'll give it to a one year old and see if they can figure it out. See, you got to have the understanding first. So I thought, wait a minute. If when I speak in tongues, Paul said, my understanding's unfruitful, I thought, I must not be using my understanding. I thought, then I must be using God's understanding. Amen. Somebody's understanding's working here. And so you have to, you know, you have to watch your mind. You don't let your mind take control. Amen. And so, well, <laughs> that will sink you. Remember when Peter got out of that boat? How many remember that? You know, they're out there on the, the, uh, the, the sea and the waves and the wind starts, you know, causing us like a, a, a storm. And, and Peter's out there and Jesus walks out there on the water, you know, to them. And uh, first they thought it was a ghost. And then uh, Jesus said, it's me, boys. Be not afraid. And Peter said, if it's you, Lord, bid me come unto you. And... Uh, Jesus said, come. And Peter, Peter got out of the boat. Now, I don't know whether you know this or not, but that took some faith. Yes, yes. Amen. 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 To step out, that took, I mean, there's a storm going on. To step out, that took some faith right there. But then the Bible says he, 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 he walks to go to Jesus and he sees the wind boisterous. He sees those waves. He sees that storm and he has, he lets his mind kick in and he thinks you cannot walk on the water when it's this bad out. <laughs> How many know that's just a dumb thought, right? Because you can't walk on the water when it's calm out. So this is going to take the power of God either way. But your mind is that foolish, see? And see, the devil will plant those thoughts in there. You can't do this. Look how bad it is out. And Peter, the Bible says, he began, being afraid, he began to sink. Jesus reached down and got him and lifted him up. And when he got back in the boat, he said, oh, oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt sunk him. Now, I was reading that one day and I thought, wait a minute. He did have some faith. It was little. It was tainted. And I thought, well, you know what? Little faith gets out but it takes great faith to stay out. And I thought, wait a minute here. See, you, you got to understand, P Peter, Peter, uh, <laughs> Peter did get out of the boat. 
The rest didn't even get out. Now, look at 1 Peter. We're close. Go to 1 Peter. Come on, are you getting anything this morning? Just, just showing a little things, some things to you. 1 Peter chapter 1. A friend of mine, I don't know whether it originated with him or not, but he used to preach and say, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat setter. At least get out. Peter got out. <clears throat> he, got, he had some stories to tell, didn't he? He actually walked on the water for a while. Amen. And, but, but now here in 1 Peter, I want to read this to you. <clears throat> Verse 7. <clears throat> it says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, that word trial uh, some translations say the genuineness of your faith, but what's, what's being said is your faith tri- is on trial to prove whether it's the real deal or not. And so the trial of your faith being much more precious to go, though it be tried with fire, you, though your faith be tried with fire. How much sometimes your faith is going to get tried with fire? See, sometimes when things don't come to pass immediately, your faith starts getting tried. That's when you're going to find out whether it's genuine or not. Whether you really, you, you know, it, it's, if everything came to pass immediately, it'd be, this would be easy. There wouldn't be any trial of your faith. But the fact that sometimes it takes a little bit of time means that, you know, uh, your faith is on trial. Amen. Well, pastor, why is it taking so long? Well, your faith's on trial. The devil's after your faith. Amen. I mean, look, hey, <laughs> no, we faith people don't like to talk about trials of our faith, uh, but we have them just like everybody else. But our faith gives us victory. Right. We all have trials of our faith. See? So so what, what do we find out? We find out whether we really have where our faith's at. It's a good thing to know. How many know that? I mean, you can talk about how much love, you know, oh, I walk in the love of God. I'm a, I'm a love being of a love God. The love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I'm, I walk in love. I know 1 Corinthians 13. And let somebody run a stop sign and hit your new car. Then we find out how much love, or just drive down the Lord Expressway. That has stoplights. I mean, we, sometimes we find out we're not as far along as what we think we are, right? And we don't know until it gets, we get checked out. Amen. You know, you get tested, right? If you're going to pass, how I many know you got to get tested? You know, if you're going to, anybody remember when you got your driver's lot? You had to get tested, did you? You had to take a driving test. Right? You know, sometimes if you're learning to fly, you got to take a check ride before you get your license. No, they they gonna check and see whether you can really do this or not. Well, how I many know? Sometimes your t- your faith's gonna get tested by the devil, right? It's not God testing your faith; it's the devil testing your faith. But you're gonna find out whether your faith's the real deal or not. It's easy to talk a good talk. I've seen that happen many times. I mean, people just talk faith, talk faith, and they get in trouble and they fall apart like a two dollar watch. I mean, no, we're supposed to, we're supposed to, we're, if, if faith, faith doesn't just work in church, it works out in the world. Yeah. Right? Our, our, you know, our faith, the Bible says, I like the message Bible where the King James says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I like the message Bible says, it, 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 our faith brings the world to its knees. Amen. And so our faith, if it's genuine, it works. It's not like, you know, I don't know. See, sometimes it's easy to talk about God meets my needs when everything's going good. But Paul said, I have found in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. He didn't mean I'm content to stay here. He said, I'm the same. That's what he's really saying. Whether I have abundance or whether I'm in a period of lack, he says, I'm still the same. I'm the same Paul. Right. Amen. Yeah. I'm coming to church. Right. I'm going to worship the Lord. Right. 
Come on. I'm going to sing the praises of Zion. I'm going to have a smile on my face. And I'm going to talk faith. It's not going to change me. We sang that song years ago when the saints come marching in. Sometimes I think about the thing when they come dragging in. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that, you know, that, you know, that we, we're phonies or fakes. But when we, when we got inside information, we just don't totally give ourselves to that. You know what I'm saying by that? We just don't, we just don't allow the devil to bring us down like that. Amen. I'm not saying that we don't have times. <laughs> I've been there before. I've told you my times. I don't lie. I don't, I don't hide them. I've told you I've had those times. I was going to quit one time. You've told that story many times. I was going to quit one time. 1985, I was going to quit. Not quit Jesus. I, didn't, I wasn't that dumb. But the ministry. I was going to quit the ministry. Had enough of fighting People attacking and persecution, all that tongue lashing, which is not—you know—it's really nothing compared to what Jesus went through. But I, I was going to quit. I was going to quit, and I was sitting in my study, and I wrote on this. I had a little yellow legal pad there by my by my my mom's chair, and I picked that pad up, and I wrote on there, "I quit." I tore it off the pad, wadded it up, threw it in the floor. I went to church that, that night. I'm a minister. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm, 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 I'm the associate pastor of the church. I'm not the senior pastor, but I've been his associate for a number of years. And so he and I are praying with people around the altar. You know, there, uh, you know, uh, several people need prayer. And so he said, come up and help me. And I'm helping him. And we're praying for people. And then I'm getting ready to go back to my seat. You know, we're done. And... All of a sudden, he says, wait a minute. And he grabbed me, and he pulled me back up there. He said, I see you in your study. You're writing something on a piece of paper. You're wadding it up and throwing it in the floor. How many know he's got my attention right now? I'm not wondering if this is God. He said, I see you wad it up and throw it in the floor. He said, the Lord told me to tell you you can't quit. God tore up my recognition later. Remember Barney Fife, how he'd write all them, and Andy'd just file them in the file drawer. That's what God did with mine. He just tore it up, said, you can't quit. So it's not like we don't go through things, but we don't stay there. We don't camp there, right? We get ourselves back up. Are you listening now? There's going to be trial of your faith, right? There's going to be times there's testing where things don't come to pass overnight. And maybe you wonder, why isn't this coming to pass? Why isn't God moving? Your face on trial, just stick with it. Don't let the devil get you double-minded about it. Amen. Amen. Even John the Baptist, you know, the Bible talks about when he went into prison, he, he's the very one that announced Jesus. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He's Jesus's, in the natural, he's Jesus's cousin. He announces Jesus. He knows who he is. But then he get, ends up in prison. And then he sends his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you he that should come or do we look for another? See, things weren't going the way he thought they ought to go. And so even he got doubt in his mind. But Jesus said, you go tell John the things which you see and hear, the lame, you know, are healed, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he that's not offended in me. Amen. Even John had to have some help. Well, if John had to have some help, I mean, we probably have to have some help every now and then. Amen. Let's go to one last scripture. You get anything today? Romans chapter uh, 4. I know I'm preaching some things that uh, I've preached before, but... You know, it doesn't matter. We need to hear them again. This, I checked with headquarters, and this was what was downloaded. So all I know to do is just talk about it again. Actually, last year I preached a whole series on doubt. But there are certain things you need to talk about every year, really. I usually preach a series on answered prayer every year because we need to hear it over and over again. 
Now I want to talk about Abraham. How many know Abraham was, was the father of faith, right? But you may not know this about Abraham, but there was a time when he had doubt. In Genesis 17, when the Lord went to him and told him that you and Sarah are going to have a son, the Bible said he laughed. He laughed. And then he began saying, oh, let Ishmael, his other son, live, live before, you know, let him. Let it be. He had doubt. Then in Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to them again and said, Sarah's going to have a child. And Sarah laughed. They both laughed. That sounds like doubt to me. But then somewhere along the line, Abraham became this man that was strong in faith. He dealt with the doubt, didn't he? Look at this in Genesis 17. I'm closing with this, but I felt like we need to talk about this just a little bit. Genesis chapter, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 17 is what I meant to say. He says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and he calls those things which be not as though they were. Or my cross reference says, Abraham did like unto God. Uh, he called those things which be not as though they were. Listen to what the Amplified Bible says here. Where the King James says, He called those things that be not as though they were. The Amplified Bible says, He... Uh, he gives, he gives life to the dead and speaks of non-existing things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. So I mean, if God's promised something, we can already talk like it's already exists, even though we don't see it. But if God's promised it or he foretold it, we're to do like Abraham and talk like it exists. We know Abraham did that because he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Right. And so uh, and Sarah, Sarai, Sarai to Sarah. See, Sarai and Sarah both mean princess, but there's a little deviation in what they mean. Uh, Sarai means princess in a local setting. Sarah means princess in a like a, a worldwide setting. So in other words, she's not just going to. This thing, you're, you're, you're going to have a, an abundance of children. Hallelujah. And so Abraham, listen now, he called those things which be not as though they were. Amen. So, uh, I mean, we should probably do that, right? We should, we should speak. We're to, now listen, it's not just anything, but we're to speak things that don't exist, that don't exist as if they did. But it's the things which God has promised. Amen. And which he's foretold. Uh, you could say it like this. We call those things that be uh, not as being. Most Christians will never do this. They just won't do it. I've been at this long enough to know they just won't do it. They just, well, I, I, I just call it like it is. That's, that's why it stays like it is. You have to call it like what God said. See, Abraham could have told God, I'm not about to change my name from Abram to Abraham. Because see, all the people around him would have known what that meant. You understand? They would have known this guy doesn't, his wife's barren. He's an old man and now he's changed his name to father of a multitude. He should have done that 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So he, he understood the implications of that. How I many know, you have to be, I don't know how to say this. You don't cast your pearls before the swine, but you don't talk unbelief because of swine. Is that, is that you get that? So I don't just run around spouting off to people that don't understand and don't believe, but I'm not going to talk unbelief. Because I'm around them. If they think I'm a nut, they'll just have to think I'm a nut. But I'll be hanging with on the right tree. Are you right? Are you with me now? So I'm, I'm going to hang on God's tree. I know even Christians will think you're a nut. Carnal Christians, uninformed. But that's all right. <coughs> 
It's like one guy said, they called us blab it and grab it. Well, we blabbed it and grabbed it and we got it. Now, I always clarify, you know, because we used to be called name it and claim it. That name it and claim it brunch. (laughs) Well, first of all, I saw a lot of foolishness in that. Don't misunderstand me. I grew up through all this, you know, where people, well, I don't have any insurance. I'm believing God. We don't use birth control because we're believing God. And 24 kids later, they ask what happened. (laughs) The problem is, is there's natural laws and God's not going to stop them for you. (laughs) No matter, your faith doesn't work there. Your faith works on what God promised you. Amen. And a lot of things. I had a friend one time. I don't know if I should tell you all this. You're, you need to realize how dumb we were back in those days. <laughs> I had a friend one time that he uh, decided he was going to drive by faith and covered up his uh, gas gauge with a handkerchief. He walked. <laughs> and the scripture is supposed to walk by faith. <laughs> Actually, he walked by foolishness. But I had another friend. It's a true story. It was the middle of the night. He was 200 miles away from home. And you have to remember, today, we, you know, there's gas stations everywhere. 24-hour. That didn't exist back then. It's kind of like when you go out, like even today, you go out some places in, in out west, Wyoming and all, and it says get gas here, you better pay attention. Because they're not kidding. When they say the next gas station is 50 miles away, they ain't just trying to get your business. And so he, 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 he said, I was 200 miles away, and he said, my, I think he had an eighth of a tank of gas. And he said, no gas station. My wife is pregnant. It's the middle of the night. He said, we just believe God. He said, we drove all the way 200 miles. I believe him. I believe him. But if you tried to do that when there's gas stations right and left, you're going to walk. Amen. I don't eat by faith. I eat by real. <laughs> See, we did all kinds of silly things. I'm not talking about that. But the thing of it is, is, is if it, we don't name it, God named it. You better claim it. Amen. And that's exactly what Abraham did. Now, notice what else he did as we close this out. It says that um, in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. In other words, Abraham didn't have any natural hope. How I many know if you're 100 years old, your wife's 90, there's no natural hope of having kids? You, you understand? That just doesn't, it doesn't work. See, if, if, 80, if, if today, if I give an altar call and a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man came up and said, Pastor, will you agree with us that we have a baby? I'm going to say, Pastor Chuck, come up here and pray for this couple. <laughs> there ain't no way I'm going to have any faith for that. Well, well, God would have to say it, right? But God told this couple they were going to have a baby at 90 and 100 years old. So if God said it, it doesn't matter what Life says about it, right? Doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. Doesn't matter what your experience tells you. If God said it, that's it. So Abraham, who against hope, believed hope. In other words, he didn't have any natural hope, but he grabbed his hope from the word of God. One of the things we have to do, first thing we have to do, if we're going to defeat doubt like Abraham did, we're going to have to call things that don't exist as though they did. We're going to have to let God's word be our hope. Not, not, not good news. Not, 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 not getting good news from the doctor. Thank God for good news, but that's not your hope. That can go up and down. Amen. People sometimes, and I understand what they're saying, but I want you to think about it. They'll say, pray with me, Pastor. I'm going to get a good report from the doctor. You already got a good report. We want it to manifest in the natural. I understand that. But you got a good report before you ever went. Amen. He says, verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What is that saying? Well, it's simply saying, I mean, no, his problem was his body. That was his obstacle. And, um, but he chose not to consider his body, or Sarah's body. 
That word uh, consider means to fully observe. How many of you know if you got a problem, you can't help but notice it? But that's not what you're going to fully observe. What you're going to fully observe is what God said. Amen. That's not where you're going to put your focus on. <coughs> you got to put your focus on the promise. Because people will. They'll say, well, yeah, Pastor, I know the Bible says it, but I, the doctor said now. It's like Brother Hagin told one time, the Lord told him in the service, he said, pray for everybody here that's got something wrong from the waist down. He said, there were people come up. There was about 10 people that came up. He said, there were people that, that, could, that couldn't, couldn't hardly walk. He said, one guy waddled like a duck. He couldn't even stand up straight. He was down real low to the floor, waddled like a duck, came up there. And he said, when I got, he said, I got ready to step down on the platform. And the Lord said to me, he said, don't lay hands on them. Just tell them to run and they'll be healed. So he said to the first one, the Lord said, tell you run, you'll be healed. That person ran, was healed. Second, third, fourth, fifth. The guy that waddled like a duck, Brother Hagin said, I said to him, run. Well, you know, that guy can't run, right? Not naturally speaking. But he said he took off waddling like a duck, just went around the sanctuary, said he came back, he wasn't healed. He still was, he said, go around again. He said he came back, he's still the same way. He said, go around again. He said, only this time Brother Hagin ran, grabbed his hand and ran with him. He said about halfway around, he was standing up and normal. He said, I got to the last person, it was a woman. He said, now, he said, sister, it's your turn. He said, now, the Lord said, run and you'll be healed. And she looked at Brother Hagin, she said, I can't run. The doctor said. He, Brother Hagin said, well, neither, neither could these people run. I know that, but the doctor said, well, he said, go back to your seat. See, you've got to observe what God said. Amen. Amen. Number, verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Next thing you need to do is just start giving God glory. Yes. Last thing he did, notice this, being fully persuaded that he was uh, that, that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You got to believe that God's powerful enough to get it done. See, Abraham, it was pretty simple. Sometimes we make faith hard, but Abraham just believed if God said it, he can do it. Even if I am 100 years old, God said it, he can do it. And of course, with that, that means you believe he will do it. So faith's pretty simple. Do you believe God can fix your problem? Right. You believe God can deliver you? Right. You believe God can do Hang on to that. God's more than able. That word able means He's powerful enough to get it done. Hallelujah. Well, I think so. I think He's proven Himself over the years that He can get the job done. A lot of things in life are going to sink you if you allow them to. But they'll try to sink you. But we don't have to sink. We don't have to allow it. And certainly don't sink yourself by doubt. Choose to be single-minded on what God said. And if God said it, that, that's it. Because He cannot lie. Amen? Hallelujah! Thank God for His Word. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.